When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast here on the Wolverine.com on a, a glorious, the most glorious of Sundays. Uh, what you saw on Saturday was no fluke. Michigan beats Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. 42-27. They're going to the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. They will play Iowa next week. I am your host, Anthony Broom, along with former Michigan Wolverine defensive lineman and no longer the last man on the last team to beat the Ohio State Buckeyes, Ryan Van Bergen. Ryan, uh, that was real, right? That happened? That happened. That happened. It uh, feels uh, like Christmas came a little early with the snowfall and the, the tranquil you know, serene setting, uh, waking up this morning, but it was real. It was four quarters uh, of a complete ass whooping. And um, it's what you've been waiting for as a Michigan fan. I mean, even myself, my team won 40 to 34 was kind of more of a back and forth squeak it out type game. I don't know if I can remember at 32 years old, remember a uh, Michigan game where Michigan dominated four quarters of a game against Ohio state. So, um, Maybe the best morning I've ever woken up as a Michigan fan uh, on a Sunday. Yeah, that was it was thorough, and it was you know going back and watching. You know, I caught most of the game this morning because I mean we we know how it went, we know how it ended. But the thing that strikes me the most here when we go back and look at it is that this was not as close as the score indicated. It says forty two twenty seven. A couple mistakes here or there. Maybe Michigan stretches the lead more, but. Um, it also might speak to just how good and how talented Ohio State is, but that was just four quarters of complete and utter destruction, Ryan. It was, and it was, like you said, a destruction of a good team. Ohio State is, they may have not played their best game, but they still are a really good team. They're, you know, they're a top 10 team in the country when it all is said and done. And, um, you know, they might be one of the best two lost teams. We're thinking about how all the possibilities of the college football playoff last night, as I'm sure everybody was. Um, but th- that's a good team. And we played our best football in November, which we've talked about a lot. And we haven't been able to do that uh, with Harbaugh to this point. And just another credit, pat on the back. I mean, this guy should be getting paraded around a little bit. This is what we expected him to do when we got to Ann Arbor. And to make such a drastic correction from a two and six COVID year to now an 11 win season, first time in the Big Ten championship game, you know, pretty much in a, in a slot where we're, we know we're going to the college football playoffs, especially we win the Big Ten championship. This is all the things that we hope to have. So uh, it was ideal in every facet which we have not had we're spoiled by the success of yesterday and that's awesome yeah uh, michigan's 11 wins this year i tweeted this out last night our 
the eighth time that this has happened in program history. And the last time it happened was your team. So again, more DNA they share with, with your guys as a group. Um, something else you kind of hit on it there with Harbaugh. And um, this is kind of where I want to start today is, and I want to get your thoughts on this too. He called, you know, he took a 50% pay cut to come back and it's not like he had a lot of other options to do that, but given everything and the totality of everything that was on the table, it could have been easy to kind of walk away from that. But what Jim Harbaugh did uh, was hit the reset button, get everyone on the same page, hire a new staff, rally the guys that were staying there in Ann Arbor. And what it, what it all added up to, to what I think is, I, I think maybe one of the most selfless and, and consequential decisions or, or happenings that's ever happened to this this football program. Um, and now they're going to Indy. So it worked. He's going to get that money back by incentives and things like that. He's going to get something for beating Ohio State. And um, if they win this game Saturday against Iowa, which we'll talk about later, um, they're probably going to have to put a little more money in this guy's pocket too. And it's from a Michigan perspective, it'll be worth it. Uh, Saturday felt like a, um, a payoff to a lot of hard work. And, and it was – you know, from a Jim Harbaugh perspective, I don't think we can overstate enough how big that decision was uh, earlier in the offseason. And credit to Ward Manuel as well. Absolutely. And, you know, Ward Manuel deserves, like you said at the end there, some credit for sticking with a guy that I'm sure he was feeling tons of pressure to, to get rid of. Um, and Harbaugh, I feel like, is in a category of few that he's a former player that has a passion for this university. And that's something that you can't necessarily quantify with a price tag. Um, you know, nothing against some of these other coaches that are trying to climb the ranks. You know, they start division two, then they go to some smaller conference division one and work their way up. And they're, they're, you know, chasing the biggest contract and trying to find that destination job. I feel like Harbaugh, this was a destination job, regardless of what money came with it. And, you know, it's the Harbaugh's, you know, another name that comes to mind, Pat Fitzgerald, who's never going anywhere from Northwestern. These coaches that have a passion for their program because it's something that they participated in and they were part of the tradition that's been built. <clears throat> I think that that's something that can't go unrecognized or unnoticed and has to be somewhat of an X factor when it comes to how much they put into their job. You know, this is not just what they do for their paychecks, but they actually have a passion for this university and this program and the Big Ten and the rivalry games and all the things that come with it. So um, I'm hoping today, you know, when Harbaugh got here, he was probably the one of the, if not the very most welcomed coach ever to, to come to Ann Arbor and take the job without speculation or criticism right away. Um, and I would like to think that this is the best he's felt since taking the job. And, uh, you know, it hopefully leads to some success. I, I don't think he, by any stretch, he's done. It's, it was ex exciting to hear him in the postgame press conference say it feels like the beginning. To me, that was exactly what I wanted to hear because after everything kind of settled out and the, you know, the adrenaline came out, it's like, all right, we did it. Are we done? We wanted to beat Ohio State. Are we done? You know, this is usually typically when the season's over because we lose this game. So um, I'm glad to hear him say it's just a start. And I feel like, Maybe this is where we get competitive in this series and start going to the Big Ten Championship somewhat regularly. And um, some of the things that we've been looking for as Michigan fans for a decade plus now. Yeah, all it takes is one, right? That's something that can can turn a tide, and we'll see what happens from there. I mean, Ohio State isn't going anywhere. Uh, they are a juggernaut program that will continue to recruit well. But um, 
I think Saturday was much more than just a Michigan win. It was a, a message and a shot across the bow that we think we can beat you for 60 minutes playing our style of play. And that was pretty impressive to see. Um, there have been a couple times in the last few weeks, Ryan, that I've asked um, I've asked you to place yourself inside the Michigan program, place yourself inside the locker room, which uh, is not that hard of an ask because you were there before. But take us through the morning after feeling of beating Ohio State. It's not, you know, it's weird. Like for your team, you guys didn't, you woke up and you were just waiting for what's next now because there wasn't a Big Ten title game to go to. But um this team has to turn the page pretty quickly because now they have uh, Iowa next weekend. It's different. It's definitely different because like you said, we had, we knew going into that game, there was no way that it shook out that we were going to end up in the big 10 championship. So um, we were waiting for college football playoffs to be announced and what the bowl games were going to be like. It was nice because we got to enjoy the win. It's, I don't want to say unfortunate for these guys currently because it's a blessing, but it is, an obstacle and a challenge, I think, for these guys to, you know, take 24 hours, soak every second and absorb everything you can of the glory that is this win. But at the same time, I was probably not relishing in their win over, I think it was Nebraska, you know, an eight point win over Nebraska. I was already thinking about you and game planning you. And they don't have that same distraction of the biggest win of your career ahead of this game. And, you know, yes, that was the biggest game of your career to this point. But the Big Ten Championship will be a bigger game. And I think that's a great test. And who knows how they're going to respond. But it's a great test for the leadership and, and you know the, the direction of this team is can you guys put this win behind you and, and dial into the level that's required to take care of business in this Iowa game, which I'm thinking we will be favored in. So um, it'll be a real testament to this team if they can find another way to put another dominant performance forward. And then you can take a little bit of a break before the college football playoff starts. But can you regroup, recoup, put this win behind you, go celebrate it again, you know, first week of December, but we need to take care of business to, to really cap this thing off. We go to Iowa and we lose and go to the biggest championship and we lose by two scores. That's a little bit of a blemish on what should be an unblemished season. So uh, it'll be a test to see these guys and how they can respond and get ready for this game. Well, let's let's jump in back into talking about yesterday's game. I want to go a couple beat by beat with with matchups on the field, position groups we saw, and to me, this was a game. It's so cliche to say, but this this game was won in the trenches on Saturday. The offensive line played the best game they've played in, I mean, God knows how many years in a, on a stage like this. It, I went back and watched it this morning. It didn't seem like anyone missed an assignment, whether it be. Offensive linemen, tight ends, running backs, wide receivers. Everyone was just on it on Saturday. What did you see from those guys up front? I would agree. I mean, offensively, we were so synchronized and in phase with one another. When you talk about Mr. Simons, on all of our blocking plays, we had great fits that favored us. And not only that, you've got a guy like Hassan Haskins who, you know, can get contacted one yard behind the line of scrimmage and gain four. He's just an amazing talent. But offensively, we were sharp. We were very sharp and we were creative. You know, that's one of the things that I feel like we were talking about early in the season that was one of my frustrations is, yes, as a fan, you may see this tendency towards run and think, oh, you know, it's so predictable. And part of it was predictable at the beginning of the season. But in this game, you go back and watch some of the run game that we had this game. We had zone. We had uh, gap blocking schemes. We had power. We had the jet sweep in the reverse. We, we threw every type of run at them and 
I don't think they had any beats on what we were doing. And, um, you know, it is a credit to these guys and a shock a little bit that not one guy from Ohio state front seven made an impact in this game. Um, you know, obviously we had Aiden Hutchinson game wrecker, uh, Josh Ross, I thought played a great game on our side of the ball for defensively, but, uh, very surprising that Ohio state, uh, especially a good Ohio state team has a bunch of nameless jerseys that we were blocking. I mean, they were might as well have been blocking dummies because they were exactly where we wanted them to be all game. Yeah. And there were a couple of plays. I think the last two touchdowns of the game, um, if you put them back you know, the, the Hassan Haskin runs, he had five of them, which we'll talk about him in a second, but the two touchdown runs towards the end of the game, the one Ohio State had to just let them score, which that's even more telling about how dominant that was. Their best shot was letting Michigan score. Um, but on the one where that was still in doubt or it was still a game, it, it looked the exact same. Like Ohio State was standing around. They were, um, it just seemed like they were shell-shocked and blown off the ball. So, Hats off to those guys on the offensive line. I mean, they imposed their will from the very first snap. Um, here's a stat for you, too. They did not – the offense did not take a third down snap officially in the second half. There were a couple that came back because of penalties or that went their way because of penalties, but first and second down the entire second half of the football game, Ryan. And every, if I'm not mistaken, that statistic was crazy. And every possession that we had in the second half resulted in a touchdown or victory formation. That is insane. You know, that's, that's growth, that's development. And that's, again, we've ripped and criticized Gaddis and Harbaugh and some of the coaches. So it's definitely time to boost them up as far as we've tried to drag them down in the past. That is growth uh, as, as a team. We talked about Jake Moody you know, when we were in the middle of the season, it was going to be a struggle if Jake Moody kept kicking field goals in the red zone. And then we don't even see Jake Moody for, you know, I think I saw you tweeted about it in the Penn State game maybe once, not at all in Maryland, not at all versus Ohio State because we're scoring touchdowns. It's identifying an issue. All right, we have a good offense. We're, you know, we're doing well in some of these categories, but here's where we're struggling. Identify it, come up with a scheme that's going to help you break through, you know, that invisible wall that it was the red zone for us. And now a team like Ohio State, can't stop us and um it's just a testament to josh gaddis and not giving up not settling we were good but good wasn't good enough if we can be great let's be great and i feel like these coaches have some kind of chemistry with the shakeup that harbaugh made and um they all pushed each other to continue to get better and i think that was along with the players too and uh you can't ask for a better second half of football in the Michigan-Ohio State game. The first half wasn't bad, but the second half was perfect football. Yeah, and this was actually my next talking point, so good uh, good segue there. You're, you're learning the broadcasting game, Ryan. Um, to me, I feel like Josh Gaddis is kind of, you know, he's taking a lot of crap for the field goals. I mean, at one point this season, I think it may have been during the Indiana game, um, Michigan was – led the nation or was tied for the lead nation with red zone field goals with Colorado state, which was a three win team at the time. So that's not uh, that's not a mark you want to share with them, but uh, yeah, like you said, um, since the, since that game in three football games, since then Jake Moody's attempted one field goal and it was against Maryland at the end of a half. So it's for as clutch as that guy is to not see him has been, if you're a Michigan fan, absolutely delightful. Uh, but back to Josh Gaddis, it feels like he's redeemed in a lot of ways because this was, I think, the best game he's called since he was at Michigan. Um, you know, they set their identity, you know, in preseason camp. They said we were going to be 
physical, precise, and smart, or physical, smart, precise, whatever it was, the order doesn't matter. They were throughout the season. Uh, the offensive line was terrific. Uh, the play calling came along. The playmakers came along. Um, there was never one guy to lean on, but uh, it turned into a pick-your-poison offense. And, and what was on display outside of Hassan Haskins hammering everyone on Saturday was that they have a lot of guys they can go to that can make plays if, if they have a matchup they like. They definitely do. I mean, that honestly seems like something that would be a challenge if you were to put yourself in Josh Gaddis's headset is – Who's getting the most touches? You know, we're going to get 70 snaps of offensive football, you know, 70 plus snaps. Who's getting the ball? Because all these guys have opportunities and the ability to impact the game. I mean, I mean, the fact that I thought it was telling and something that is kind of like in your face, subtle, subtly, that we still brought J.J. McCarthy into this game. Not only that, but we threw J.J. McCarthy out of a weird formation in the pistol and threw into a, you know, a two shell two coverage and threw a perfect fade route to the to the edge. Um, J.J. ran a QB power. That was one of the plays that was in there. Um, and I'm sure people could have said it because I thought the same thing is as soon as he came in the game, I was like, oh, we got things going. We're, why are we doing this? But it's part of our identity. This season we have made the commitment that both these guys are going to play. We're going to use them differently. And J.J. came in in a big moment in the Michigan State game and did not play his best football. We're all aware of that. Um, but we gave this guy a chance to come into the biggest game on the biggest stage, and he redeems himself and probably has a whole lot of confidence, which doesn't seem like he's really short on confidence, but um, has a whole lot of confidence for the last game, two games, three games, whatever we have remaining. So um, the fact that they've been able to stick to their guns and keep the wagon circled and not allow the criticisms to be a factor to slow them down. They just continue to get better. And um, a testament to the coaches, testament to the leadership and to the players, and exciting looking forward because a lot of these guys get to come back or have the option to come back. So um, I don't think offensively we're going to be any less weaponized in the near future. Yeah, well, let's flip, let's flip to the other side of the ball now. Mike McDonald, while we're talking about coordinators here, I mean – for as much, I mean, it was 27 points given up, but for what my money's worth, probably an all-time great game plan against Ohio State which with what they were able to do. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you have to take the approach of, which has kind of been the, the MO of, of the McDonald defense so far of, we're going to keep you in front of us, get as many yards as you want. I think Ohio State still finished with almost 500 yards of offense, but you wouldn't be able to tell that by watching the game that, and it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's a statistic that we keep recorded, but it doesn't really matter in a football game. No yard, amount of yards is going to score you any points. So uh, uh, he did a great job keeping probably one of the best receiving cores that we've seen in the past 10 years, 15 years in college football, limited. And, you know, a, a freshman quarterback that was in the talk for the Heisman campaign, limited. And, you know, he did it with guys that he inherited. This is not the team that he built. He inherited a bunch of guys and found a way to get not 11. I mean, they play 17, 18, 19, 20 guys on that defense, but um, got them all to understand what they're looking to do. And I got to be honest, it wasn't the prettiest game. One of the things that frustrated me, which everything was really, really good about this game, but so many times tempo almost got us again. And it's just like, we got to have a go-to, you know, we got, you know, one, two, and three. If we're going fast, we're picking one of these three defenses. Just line up and go because I'm tired of seeing the scramble pre-snap. 
Um, but even with that being the case, and, you know, Ryan Day's a great coach. They're going to have us schemed, and they saw what happened in the Michigan State game. But um, just ideal performance from our, our defense. Would have loved to generate a turnover. You know, I can't believe that we lost the turnover game and still beat the hell out of Ohio State. How does that happen? So um, McDonald just is just getting started, and I think he's going to compliment Gaddis, and I think we're going to be even more dangerous uh, in years to come, even though we're losing some guys on the defense. Let's talk about that because it can't all be sunshine and roses, right? Like Michigan fans and, and we in, in the media and all, like we like to nitpick. So the tempo things, uh, we assume that Michigan – like I'm not going to assume that Michigan wins on Saturday, but it's a real good shot. And if you do, you're in the playoffs. <laughs> Um, those playoff teams will will see tempo. Um, will use tempo against Michigan if they get there. What do you? What is that attributed to, and, and how do you fix that? Uh, well, I think when you're doing what McDonald's doing, which McDonald would ideally, if you're going to use the whole play clock, McDonald wants to know what eleven players you have in, what's your personnel, and go to whatever 11 of our best he thinks can defend you, whether that's a nickel package, a dime package, an extra dime package, a, a bigs package, whatever it may be. So he wants to run his substitutions out. Then based on your formation, it seems like formation wise, whether you have trips, doubles, whatever, he wants to adjust his coverages. And that's, uh, again, those are all ideal circumstances. But when they line up quickly, a lot of the times, there's not going to be time to flip your front. You know, you, you might be the field side defensive end or the strong side defensive end, and you may have to play on the weak side for this play. And I feel like our guys should be, this is, you know, not knowledge that I have internally, but should be in a position. If it, get, it got to the point when, when I was playing that, if it, we got behind and I had to know what the other guys' responsibilities were, I knew them. You know, I, I wasn't my job usually on this play to be outside contain on this particular play, but I know that that's what the other side does. I'm on the wrong side. Let me line up and let me do the right, execute the right thing. I feel like there's times where we're looking at the wristband because we want to get the right front and get to the guys to the right side and then also adjust coverage perfectly for what the – if they're going in five seconds once the ball snapped, we don't have that option. You know, And you almost need to have like a wristband, like I said, of four plays. And these are the four that we run. And, you know, just look to the sideline. It's four, it's three, it's two, it. what is it? And line up and play football because – the other thing that you can't do is get caught with your pants around your ankles and, uh, you know, give up something just because we're not lined up properly. So that's what they're looking for. And we'll get something. I mean, McDonald's in his first year. And I also think that college football is probably more tendent. There's a more of a tendency to do this up-tempo type thing and try and catch you sleeping. So he'll, he'll get it figured out. And I think it kind of catches you by surprise how fast it goes. So um, we'll have it figured out. It's just a matter of, Hopefully it doesn't burn us so bad that we can't recover from it, which this game, it didn't. It looked like it might at some point, but it didn't. And we will get better as we get guys more veteran in this system. They won't even look at the sideline. They know what the call will be. Look at us nitpicking after a dominant win over Ohio State. What's happened to us? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I want to go back up front on defense, something I know you can speak of pretty passionately here. Um, Kristen and Mozzie Smith. I think played their best game in Michigan uniforms, especially Mozzie Smith. I mean, it's quiet because the type of defense they play just requires them to kind of hold their ground and eat space and open things up for other guys. But those were, those were star making star making turns for both those guys. I think they do such a good job. And it's just something that you don't get a whole lot of attention for of, especially in this game, 
drawing two blocks and then not letting someone from those two blockers climb to the second level, not losing ground and getting pushed into the second level so that Ross and Colson can't flow the way they want to to the ball. Um, there's some of these plays where you see guys coming in and making great hits, you know, uh, D or um, Rod Moore had a couple from the safety position. Dax Hill had a couple from his position. These guys are unblocked being able to make a, a tackle attempts. Unblocked tackle attempts are a much higher probability of being successful tackles than when you have one arm engaged in a block and you're trying to get away from a guard. I mean, case in point, look at the flip side of what it's like to try and tackle Hassan Haskins when you're still being blocked. Uh, you can't do it. So, um, Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, Jeter had his best game, I think, as well. Uh, These guys have come along. I still think we're lacking in some talent. Not that these guys aren't talented. It's just we don't have the depth of talent that's required at the defensive tackle position. Um, But these guys, uh, I was thinking about the matchup versus Iowa. These guys are going to get tested again, and they're going to get tested in a big way. Iowa is kind of like a mini clone of us, I like to think. And – their best offensive lineman is by far and away their center. And he is a monster when he comes off the ball. So um, Mozzie Smith is going to get tested. Hinton will be tested. Hopefully he's healthy. But um, these guys did great, but they're not done because we need them uh, to show up big versus Iowa in order for us to find success. Well, let's – okay, I'll wait for Iowa. I'll put a pit in that for a second. Any other takeaways from the game on Saturday? I mean, between this and and the – the instant reactions, yelling, screaming, chugging beer podcast. I feel like it's been pretty well plowed at this point. I mean, it was just a dominant win, a potential narrative changing win. Um, we'll see what it does on the recruiting trail. But any other things you want to clean up from Saturday's game? I one last thing that I want to throw out there is, and I um, it gives me a grin. I didn't know that Harbaugh doesn't like Ryan Day. I thought, I, I thought it was an amicable, like, you know, we, you know, we don't like each other, but we don't talk about it type thing, you know, an amicable divorce, if you want to say that between these two men, but uh, Harbaugh's comment, which he didn't say was directed at day, but some people are born on third and think they hit a triple. The way he said that, the way it was delivered, um, Jim Harbaugh thinks that Ryan Day was gifted in Ohio State team, a Ferrari that was already running on 12 cylinders, you know, and all he has to do is maintain it and keep it going. And, you know, Harbaugh, you know, by comparison, didn't get that same treatment. And I didn't realize how much fire there is there just for him, not against Ohio State, but I think him personally with Ryan Day. And that's a good thing. I mean, I feel like you could be concerned that, the emphasis for this team has been we're going to beat Ohio or die trying this entire year. And maybe that's just a one year thing. I think as soon as we're done with this season, however, it turns up the next day, Jim Harbaugh is going to be thinking about, I need to beat Ohio state again. And that's got to be the mindset to, to, to swing this series in our favor, to, to win some back to backs in this series and make it competitive again. So that made me, that pleased me that Harbaugh took that dig and uh, said what he said, because, Forget being politically correct. I mean, we hate each other. Let's let the coaches hate each other too and let the world know about it. So uh, I was happy with that. He's not He's not entirely wrong. But, yeah, there's a, there's a little bad blood there. There were the Ohio State, uh, Ryan Day, we are going to hang 100 on him comments. And, and these guys have gone back and forth for a while. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, old Jim is back. And in a lot of ways, old Jim is new Jim because he hasn't beaten Ohio State. So we'll see where it goes from here. Um, I guess the narr- I mean, the emphasis will probably stay on Ohio State in the building, I'd imagine. But 
it goes from what are you doing to beat Ohio State today to what have you I thought I was going going somewhere clever with that. It's not there. That's all right. We'll rebound. We'll talk to uh we'll talk about Iowa now. Early takeaways on the matchup against the Hawkeyes. Um a team that is very strong up front on both sides of the ball. Relies on a lot of turnover luck when they've won some games this year, but like you said, it's kind of a, a mini Michigan or a diet Wisconsin, whatever you want to call it. So what do you think about them, that matchup? They are. They're like I said, just like you said, to, to me, they seem like a less weaponized clone of us on offense and on defense. You know, maybe not as um, maybe a little more comparative defensively uh, than, than what I think we are offensively. They have you think we have struggled with passing game in the past this season. Ohio State or Ohio State. I Iowa's passing game, I think their quarterback has fifteen hundred yards. I mean, he's one of the only quarterbacks that has less completions and less attempts than than McNamara does on the season. Um, you know, their running back is their feature and they want to grind it out and line up and go hard nose football and run the ball against their with their good O line. Their leading receiver is a tight end. And I'm not saying that because he's some spectacular tight end, but because they don't put the ball on the edges all that much. Uh, they're they're pretty bland on offense, and you know what they're going to do, but they are good at it. So that'll be a challenge. Defensively, they really pressure quarterbacks. If you look at it, I think they have as a team almost as many sacks, if not the same amount of sacks as uh, our defense does, which you know obviously we've got one of the best two defensive linemen in the country. The thing that's different about their defense is their turnover generation, something to be cause for concern. We've done a really good job taking care of the football through all games. Even in this Ohio State game, there's one bad throw. But other than that, we took great care of the football. Um, Iowa, I think, is either top 10 or leads the country in number of interceptions in their secondary. And then again, like I said, they're uh, one of the best teams with regards to getting pressure and getting sacks. So um, they're going to be a test. They're definitely going to be a test. It'll be interesting to see how they hold up because I don't know that anyone in the country, to be honest, now that I've seen what happened versus Ohio State, I don't know that anyone, maybe Georgia for sure, could hold up to the run attack that we present and the issues that we present. Um, but we can also get to the edges. We've got some weapons there. So it'll be interesting to see. I do think that this game sets up well for us and we should be able to play our style of football. But it's an interesting matchup because their style of football is our style of football. It's not oil and water like Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, so it'll be fire and fire and toughness with toughness. And we'll see who ends up less bloody or more bloody and bludgeoned. And I think that's the kind of Big Ten championship game you can expect. You kind of hit on this a little bit earlier, but do you feel like they're in the DNA of this team, the way they've stayed focused and, and taken on every challenge um, and stayed in the moment this year, do you early thoughts this week? Do you see any shot at a let up on Saturday? Yeah, I sadly do. And I just that only in the element of if you were to take any team in amoebic, amorbic, whatever you want to call it, don't put any people to it. But a team accomplished this, then they have to go com compete in this game. Could this team have a down game? Yeah, that team could. But hopefully, because that team is coached by Jim Harbaugh and they're led by Cade McNamara and Aiden Hutchinson, hopefully because of the guys that compose this team, that won't happen. Um, but it's definitely tough because a lot of these guys, we talk about legacy. Well, my legacy was just made in the Ohio State game. 
you can enhance that legacy pretty drastically by going ahead and winning yourself a ring and getting to the college football playoffs. So um, I fear that it could happen with another team, with this team specifically. I would bet on the leadership that these guys are going to have a great game. Uh, it could be slightly down because I do think we played a perfect game of football, especially a second-half game of football uh, against Ohio State. But um, overall, this team's going to come out and put a, tr- put a tremendous effort and a tremendous product on the field. And we'll see if we can beat a good Iowa team. Iowa, six weeks in, seven weeks in, I thought was one of, if not the best team in the Big Ten. And you know they are here. Uh, in the Big Ten Championship. So they're not slouch, no slouches. So uh, it's going to be a matchup. And if I'm Michigan, I want to come out and leave no doubt. You know, what if we win by 21 points? I mean, people are going to say this is the best Michigan team uh, since 97, 98. So um, build that legacy because you've got every opportunity still right in front of you. Yeah. And it's like I said, um, it's hard to say. I mean, you, all you can really say about what the ceiling of this team is, it can match 1997 and that it gives itself a chance to play an extra football game. Um, and like I said, to get to the college football playoff, if they're able to pull that off, to me in the here and now of college football when there's been a lack of parity and, and, and that's what's been so refreshing about the season in general. I mean, there's a real shot that we're looking at four new playoff teams this year, which is insane. It's just so... No one saw that coming. Um, Notre Dame sucks. I'm just saying that out loud. I hate that they're going to get in watching everybody else play college football playoff games. I'm just saying that out loud. Notre Dame sucks. They should not get in. Well, there you there you have it, sir. And you beat them too, so you're allowed to say that. Notre Dame sucks. Yep. Rudy, Rudy was offsides. They suck. Yeah, there you go. Um, how's that group chat fire going along this morning? Still coming in strong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's – it's crazy. I mean – Grown men, married, a lot of us have kids, and I know for a fact tears were shed yesterday uh, among some of these guys of joy for feeling what the other players got the opportunity to feel, what those guys got to do on the field and how that locker room felt. I've been a part of both, and I'm not the best linguist, and I wish I was better, but there's just a different feeling, and it's so significantly opposite ends of the spectrum of the last game at the big house You just lost to Ohio State. You're going around in tears, hugging your coaches, you know, just, you know, completely disheveled and broken is what it feels like versus coming in and singing the victors after beating Ohio State and getting to tell everybody you love them and how much you appreciate your teammates and um, taking that time in the locker room after that game. To have been on both sides and been in the locker room for both those experiences, um, some of those guys didn't get those opportunities and weren't in a locker room after that win. Uh, So it's just, it's an emotional thing. And a lot of us, regardless of if we've had bad seasons or whatever, everybody that's played for Michigan cares a a lot about how we do and how they perform and how we compete on a national stage. So um, for all of us to be encouraged that we win this game and we might be better in game in seasons to come, it's uh, it's what we've been looking for for a while now. So it's been great. And everybody is uh, overjoyed, emotional. You say we're critical. It's one of the funny things. Only the fans are. No one, no one in this group chat. Sorry, I'm on my watch, but no one in this group chat's going, oh, yeah, we should have lined up better on defense. Everybody's just stoked. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. It's it's happy. It's so, it's so cool that those players had to have that moment on the field. Uh, I mean, it was just a it was an explosion of relief um, when you see a hundred thousand people storming the field and, and guys hugging each other and Jawan Howard, you know, 
bumping Jim Harbaugh on the chest saying no one said you could do it. It was what a day. That's that's going to be one I don't forget for a long time. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for us, Ryan. Um, we will be back Friday to do a Big Ten championship preview, which feels so good to say. Um, so we'll be back to do that. Uh, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button below. Like on the video. It helps bump us up in the algorithm. Uh, you don't need to know what that means. Just know it's good for us. Um, Podcast-wise, we're on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Subscribe, leave a review. Uh, in the description below, there is a link to sign up for one year. This deal has been extended because of Black Friday and a win over Ohio State. $1 for a year on the Wolverine.com, who is now on the On3 network. So take advantage of that. Uh, for Ryan Vandenbergen, this is Anthony Broom. Uh, you've been listening to the Wolverine Podcast, and we will talk to you, this feels good to say, for the Big Ten Championship next week. See you again soon.